I record this at the beginning of what promises to be the best Women's History Month ever. What is a woman? Well, who can say? But I can tell you this, I love them gals. And you're going to be hearing a lot of women on this show today. Well, you always do. But today I'm going to do it with extra intentionality. And that might be less than obvious on the show because I don't want to be patronizing. I save that for the Patreon. And God knows I wouldn't want to be obnoxious. (coughs) But speaking of the Patreon, that's where I've been spending most of my time doing shows for that. We did a comprehensive brass rock survey, which everybody just loved, man. People begging me to do a third one, and I'm saying, nope, nope. I said two, and that's all there is. There was also part two of the New Zealand and Australia stuff. People did actually enjoy that one. And I'm going to be concentrating mostly on the Patreon from here on out. I've mentioned that before, and that's how it's going to be. Maybe I'll do one of these shows a month or something. You know, there's no real set rule. I do enjoy doing the regular shows. I mentioned to one of my friends on the Patreon that it's kind of like a long road trip when you stop and get out of the car and stretch your legs. Oh, i got to say something about a road trip later. Remind me. But anyway, it's more um, improvisational doing this one. Just feel like hearing this song. Feel like hearing that song. There's no theme to follow. And while I'm not pursuing an audience, you know, I don't promote the show at all, there are people who wander in, and I like that. That's really cool. It's nice to see new people listening, uh, following the show, or just you see a spike in listenership sometimes. So for all of you, new and old, here's what you're going to hear in this first set. In reverse order, great record from 1959, written by the two artists who are singing it. Etta James, the great rhythm and blues singer, and Harvey Fuqua, who was in the Moonglows and wrote a bunch of great songs, helped start Motown. It's called My Heart Cries. Before that, it'll be a piece by Joseph Akron, who is a Russian-born composer, who as a young man moved to the United States. Did a lot of music concerned with Jewish themes. But this piece, which is from 1923, oh, look at that. That reminds me, Willie's Plastic Waffle might make a reappearance today. That's right. There we go. Anyway, Akron was in Berlin at that time, shortly after which he emigrated to the United States, which at the time was a refuge from fascism as well as communism. And while in Berlin, he wrote this piece, which owes more to French Impressionism, I think, than the Jewish themes explored in most of his other music. It's called The Children's Suite, and it's in multiple movements, all of which are very short. And I'm going to distribute them throughout the show. This movement is called Jumping with Tongue Out. (laughs) Something kids like to do, right? Before that, there's going to be another piece of chamber music. This one, a trio for flute, viola, and piano by Louise Talma, called Seven Episodes. I'll give you one episode, and you're going to go nuts wondering what happens in the other six episodes, right? 
Louise was born in France at the beginning of the 20th century, but moved with her mother to the United States as a young girl. But she returned to France often and was a student of the great teacher, Nadia Boulanger, who taught our friend Aaron Copland, as well as countless other great composers. And before all that, we'll get started with a track by Feed Me Jack. This is a band that was around about 10 to 15 years ago out of California. And um, to me, their music is kind of compressed prog, if that makes any sense. These are fairly tight song structures, but they meander the way prog does, jumping around and shifting abruptly from one mood or style to another. A lot of people might find that annoying. I hope you're not one of them. See what you think. Song is called Definitely You. And it's definitely you I welcome, newcomers and loyal followers. Welcome, one and all, to Buckaroo Holiday.
like a shepherd boy Searching for his hand And then and Harvey and Etta. Etta's name comes up a lot in the crossword puzzles. I do crossword puzzles all the time because, you know, the, the ravages of age are getting to me. And that's one of the little things I do to try to keep my brain working. Whether or not that's succeeding is anybody's guess. Speaking of old timers, though, I'm going to play a song called Janetta. And it's by an act called Mabel Greer's Toy Shop. Mabel Greer's Toy Shop was a psychedelic band. That was kind of the uh, seedling of Yes. Several members of Yes were in there. Tony Kay, uh, Chris Squire, John Anderson, I think Peter Banks, maybe. But anyway, it's like a, the, the relationship can roughly be compared to Sid's Pink Floyd versus Gilmore's Pink Floyd. Now, in recent years, Nick Mason from Pink Floyd kind of revived the early Floyd sound with a band called Saucerful of Secrets. And they did a great job from what I've heard. I've never seen them live. My friend Colin reports that they are terrific. Uh, I've seen live footage that seems to support that. But the thing is, Mabel Greer's toy shop reformed back in the early 2000s with a few of the early members, including Tony Kay, I think, and some of the other guys that didn't go on to Yes. They put out a couple of albums, one in 2014 or so, which includes this song, Janetta, which was a Chris Squire song that they recorded back in 1968. Thing is, the new version's better than the original. So after we hear that, I don't know why, but I feel like it's a good spot for Lee Konitz, great alto sax player, composer, also a teacher, originally from Chicago, I think. We have him here with a piece from 1968 called Five, Four, and Three. And after Konitz, we're going to hear Erica Lewis, who's very well known for singing with Tuba Skinny, a retro Dixieland band out of New Orleans, who are just great. And she is charismatic and an amazing 
singer on that kind of material, but it's not all she does. She's also a songwriter, very much at home in a number of different styles. She'll do a song called Thief and a Liar. Here's Mabel Greer's Toy Shop.
thief and a liar There's no one But myself to blame Don't know You know, there's a lot of music that tries to project a kind of exuberant strength, you know, well, you can't hurt me. But the songs we come back to, I, I do anyway, tend to be the more vulnerable ones, whether it's Frank Sinatra's songs of devastation, you know, those torch songs, or something like what Erica Lewis just sang there. Gonna do a set about this topic, and it's gonna start with a couple of songs that deal with heartbreak in a very direct, plain-spoken way, without a lot of frills. The first one is from a brand new album called Gold by a young artist named Cleo Handler. 
Now, I know Cleo. I've known her for a number of years, and she's an accomplished young woman. She's won awards at several international film festivals for her direction. She's acted in several TV shows, and she's a songwriter. And this is her new album, and it's really cut to the bone. Very direct, very simple music. I'm going to play the first number that sets the tone for the album. It's called Songs. It doesn't try to prettify the emotions, and it doesn't try to inflate them and glorify them. It's just open-hearted. And when you listen closer, you'll hear a lot of the subtlety and wit that comes with that open-hearted approach. And if you dig this, you'll dig the rest of it. You can buy it on Bandcamp, and I suggest you do just that. As a companion piece, it brought to mind a track by Bell and Sebastian, who I've been hearing about for years. People love this band. And I tell you the truth, I don't think I ever heard them until like a month ago, which seems amazing because so many people love them. I like what I've heard. A couple of the songs I like a lot. Got one here called Safety Valve, and it's from something called The Days of the Bagnold Summer, which evidently was a movie featuring Nick Cave's son. I don't know. But from those very austere and direct, uncomplicated numbers, we go to something a little more involved. It's the High Lows, who I played recently in a very brief selection. This one's called Love Locked Out. And it really gets around. Very, very adventurous vocal music. These guys are amazing. They formed in the early 1950s, and the leader and arranger was Gene Perling, who went on after this to form Singers Unlimited. Oh, I think I've played on the show before, but they did a lot of jingles as well as albums of popular music. And along with the four freshmen, the high lows were a big influence on Brian Wilson. So that'll be that, except I'm going to end the set with a little bit of corn poem, bring it to a different kind of place. Singer I don't know much about, Rocky Porter. And it sums up the risk of falling in love in no uncertain terms. It's called The World is a Monster. Let's start off with Cleo Handler from her album, Gold. Writing songs is so embarrassing, but if you can, so can I. And living feels impossible, but I don't wanna die. I'm sorry for your loss, sorrier for me. But I can't pry your eyes open if you don't wanna see. Gloves. Maybe if you could buy a couch, you'd have a better shot at love. I'm prone to overwatering, but I can't make you grow. I hate that songs are meant to hear, but I'll put on a show. Cause people love a love song, which you're too scared to write. So you go 
soul in it now i'm feeling flat i want my soul back And lately i just need a pal thanks for being my safety pal i know that there's something out there i can feel it in the night I look in the windows there's dinners and parties and late conversations laughing out loud the tears of the crowd lady I just need a pal oh it should be my safety valve Get through the day I'm not in a good place I know I'll get better But just for tonight Take me away Come and be my sacred pal Come and be my safety valve
I've explored the sky I've seen men born And I've seen men die I know how to laugh And I know how to cry So listen young man As I pleadingly sigh Oh now if you have A home and a woman To love don't go chasing Those stars up above Cause when you start roaming You lose from the start For the world is a monster It's food is man's heart I've talked with the king And I've driven a mule I've hunted the deer and I've studied in school I've known men wise and I've joked with a fool So listen young man and please follow this rule If your heart is weary and you want to roam Better think twice before you leave your home Cause when you start roaming you lose from the start For the world is a monster, its food is man's heart Gambled and I've won astray I left a good woman that begged me to stay Yes, I've made mistakes, now I have to pay Just a vagabond dreamer till the judgment day Oh, now if you have a home and a woman to love Don't go chasing those stars up above Cause when you start roaming you lose from the start For the world is a monster, its food is man's heart 
sure is. Sure is. Now, I know some of you regular listeners have been really bugging me to get Willie back on the show with his plastic waffle featurette. And I think we're going to have him in here today. Yeah? I never know when it's going to arrive, though. It's kind of a mystery. You just sort of wait. You just sort of, I don't know, abide. And you create the conditions for it to arrive. Sort of like happiness or love. It doesn't just arrive. For one thing, you have to believe, and you have to set the stage, and you have to be patient. You need a special kind of patience, like the patience of Rod McEwen. The years I walked the rainy streets, filtered through the parks, in search of music people. Willie himself provided that Rod McEwen clip. And you know, Willie and I have been pals for many, many decades, many, many decades. And what we've done all those years is what we pretty much do on Plastic Waffle. We get together, have a few drinks, and say, hey, check out this record I got. And we talk about it. So you can look forward to that a little later in the show. But first, some Billy Joel. Who's here? Are you ready for another spin on the <laughs> plastic waffle? At long last. We've been getting a lot of requests, Will. People have been missing you. All right, I feel the pressure. It is at long last. But we're here again, and we, we're uh, going to be our first uh, Willie's Plastic Waffle of the new year. Not so new year anymore. So welcome, Willie, to the show. Thank you. And um, we're gonna, I'm going to go put on the opal ice maker. I'm going to pause this for a second. I'm going to start the opal ice maker. So that by the time we're into this thing, we'll be ready for some buckaroos. We'll be iced so and, well. Uh, <laughs> and we're going to try this new method of um, recording the show, which I may or may not bore everybody with a description of. Yeah, we'll, we'll go for it. But you've come down from Ithaca? Yeah, I've come down. Finally, I've, I was able to find the time to come down. I'm so glad. It just should have been so much sooner. Well, it was the holidays in this. It was night. the holidays happening, but this is momentous because we were due to put in some more time. Absolutely. Sure. People have been complaining. Where's my plastic waffle? Whoa. And he brought a stack of records. Gosh. I have no idea. The only one I've seen, I saw. I think I saw Skip Spence there. You did? But um, everything else, uh, we're going to be winging it. So I'm going to pause this a moment, and then we're going to go, um, I'm going to put the ice machine on, and then we're going to get rolling. Nice. Okay, well, I'm back. I got the ice maker uh, cranking. Back in the New York groove. We're making that uh, good opal ice that Jim Gray got me onto. Ooh, thank you, Jim. That's right. So uh, we're going to start doing this thing here. What do you got for me? What are we going to start with? I don't know. Let's look. Yeah. Let's just look. I think I'm going to try and look for something on the Gibbs Spence album. Where'd that go? Here it is. There's some very nice songs on this album. So Willie's whipped out Ore by Skip Spence, and most of you may have heard of this. I don't know how many people have actually listened to it. Skip Spence was the, uh, he was a guitarist, right, in the in Moby Grape. He played drums with Jefferson Airplane, didn't he? Yes, that's right. I was very surprised when I listened to this album because um, I just was, I like how musically pleasing most of the material is. I expected something more, I don't know, kind of out there as far as... Uh... 
December 1968. And he played this all himself, right? He's, he's like, yeah, I think so, because I don't see any other credits. It was really out of the blue. He just uh, wanted to make this thing, and it was arranged very hastily. We didn't have a lot of time to work with in the studio. Just, just knocked it out. That's good. Though. I think it's perfect. Something about the the mood of the song that I like, the attitude of it. Yeah, absolutely. It's right. uh, a lot of people put that in the category of like an American Sid Barrett kind of thing. That album, yeah. in a way, you know, like other people compare Rocky Erickson to Sid Barrett, but I think that's closer to the mark. Hmm. Um, I don't know if anybody knows this. Uh, Willie and I were involved in a project. I got a contacted by a guy named David Katz Nelson who uh, had a label called Birdman Records and they were doing a Skip Spence tribute and I was asked to do a track which I thought was a shoe-in I thought I was you know I didn't realize that the track was given to other people oh I think you were asked yeah there were like famous people on the record like Tom Waits and shit and they were assigned particular tracks and then they had a bunch of leftover stuff that was like outtakes from the original sessions yeah, and they gave that to people who weren't that well known, like me, and so I cut the track, and it was very elaborate. We did this thing where um, it was in sections, and there was almost like a uh, Charles Ives sounding section. Section there was a, a surf sounding section, and all that, and uh, we sent it into him, and it was rejected for another band. Did like a ska version, and I uh, was pissed off until I saw a review of it that said the album was really great, this compilation, except for this stupid Scott track <laughs> version of one of the SOAF. We were recording the album Magic Beans, and oh I was doing these various sessions for Magic Beans, and uh, that thing came in, and so I, uh, we recorded that track, and what happened is after the thing got rejected, I chopped up a couple of the tracks we had cut for it yeah and i made them into little instrumental sections on magic beans those were all chunks of the skip spence song which i don't even think i have any version of uh, anymore okay i might have it on a uh, a dat someplace right. or you know yeah but i'll never hear it again but in any event it was because you um you were chosen for some good reason you know the you were visible yeah maybe at you know the time, at the, so, that was the yeah. moment where i was uh, seemed, seemed my work good. was kind of almost getting yeah. noticed and 
magic beans kind of fucking destroyed that. But, you know, what are you going to do? It wasn't going to go anywhere anyway. Oh, but, maybe uh, we were part of it, I guess. Well, somehow. Tributes are nice and all, but especially with somebody like Skip Spence and somebody like Sid Barrett, there's such an individualism to the yeah. music. That covers of it are so, sort of superfluous, you know. It's not like they're, a, it's not like there's a songwriter like Neil Diamond or Bob Dylan or somebody, right? Who you can interpret? Yeah. How are you going to interpret that? You know. No, I'm glad that someone did go to the trouble. Well, he obviously wanted to do his solo album, and so it was good to, it was yeah. good to hear it. Yeah, after after he cut that record, that he sort of uh, went off the deep end entirely, and yeah. did very very little performing after that. He would yeah. occasionally be brought into some kind of a Moby Grape project or gig. Oh, yeah. And yeah, really would contribute hear. a little bit, but... Uh, didn't never. really hear a lot from him, yeah. No, he, he hit the skids pretty hard. Okay, well, what do we got going now? Well, I recorded a lot of uh, things from low-budget instrumental records, just because you never know. You could always, might always find some crazy little jewel. Okay, sure. And so I discovered that for a lot of these songs where... The songs that are being recorded are just typical classic popular songs mm -hmm. that that a, a, a family might buy to have to play like the popular songs of the day in their living room, you know. Okay. And I noticed that for a lot of these songs, the introductions to the song can be very serious, moody music. Okay, so I mean, the arrangers are really getting their rocks off with the with the yeah, intro some very before they go to the serious sounding music. Right, and then after that that opening section, it'll go into the typical like <laughs> completely corny yeah recording yeah. of you know like Volare. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> so and where do you hear some of these? Because they're okay, they're pretty. <laughs> so are we gonna like listen to entire songs here? Are, you gonna, are we gonna like skip through intros? Well, first of all, I only have the intros, but I have, oh good good I have enough. <laughs> <laughs> but I have enough of them. Usually at the tail end of the intro, I have enough of the main song that's being recorded. Just have a sense of so where it's <laughs> how it disintegrates. <laughs> well, it's kind of like jazz, isn't it? It sounds really great, and then everybody starts soloing. Yeah, whatever it is, it's pretty serious. <laughs> All right, so I can start with, uh, there's a number of them, so I'll, I'll try and go through them. <laughs> yeah. See if you can guess which song it is. Boots. You got it. But I mean, listen to that saxophone. I mean, come on. You don't hear that. It's like a monster from the voyage to the bottom of the sea or something. Yeah, Ray Harryhausen would probably like to put some. Oh, listen to this. Bernard Herrmann. Taxi driver. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then they go into, you know, something typically. The Look of Love? You got it. Wow, that's work. I should be, I should be getting prizes. <laughs> Was that the Paul Avetian dance number two by Barnum? <laughs> no, it could be that. Exactly. <laughs> Ooh. 
Oh, that's a loop, right? That could go forever. Love it. <laughs> kind of film noiry. Oh yeah. Right? Yeah. Here she comes. She's sultry. take the back door on some of these. Yeah. <laughs> oh, here you go, sport. Isn't that nice? And what song is it? Superstar? Valari. Oh. I like this one too. This is, you know, Star Trek or, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's okay. right there. That was some. Give me Jack sliding down the beanstalk. But it's it was like a very... bit of orchestrating. Yeah. And then it just goes into some popular song that's, right. that's completely. So that's where the arranger gets his kicks. Common. Yeah. yeah. The rest of it is just schmaltz. Great sound. Great horn sound. Great horn sound. Three coins in the fountain. Really? Yeah. This one too. This is real monster movie. Oh yeah. This, that's where I had a beast from 20,000 fathoms there. Yeah. <laughs> interpretation. That's true, I never noticed. <laughs> Chopped up like this, it's the trippiest thing I've done in a while. I have to admit, I do, I do like to let it go. Like. <laughs> <laughs> a little blondie there. Oh yeah. Was I had love and it was divine. Ooh, I like this. This is very moody. Yeah. Well, that was, you know, like I, I, like I was mentioning there, we should have given people a warning beforehand. It's like when you have a strobe light in a dark ride, you know? It's like people with epilepsy shouldn't be doing this. That's, that's true. This is going like, to be... Uh embedded somewhere in uh, Buckaroo Holiday. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, somebody's listening to this, if they've, like, you know, dropped a tab or something like that, they're going to go off the, off the fucking deep end. <laughs> this will be their tab, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the tab, yeah. So, Willie, here you go. Oh, thank you for this. You got a Buckaroo, Buckaroo 
Buckaroo with the good ice. Mm. So here you go. Looking Schlosses. Cheers. Well, we didn't have the mic over here. We uh, I had to move it back into place for our uh, sippage here. Mm. Is that right? Oh, yeah, that'll work. Sometimes you got to adjust your proportions. Got to check, double check, you know. Yeah, I think we got to make sure that things are just kind of set right. You, know, you don't have the, to commit uh, to something that isn't um, first rate. Matters at hand, yeah. Mm. What do you think of that ice? Ooh. And try chewing a piece. Oh, yeah. It's a pleasure, right? It's an easy chew. Well, here's a song in the cover song category. Okay. It would probably not be fair to see it, to ask people to guess the artist. It's Karen Black. So this is my... Um, it's not the voluptuous horror of Karen Black. Let's see if you can guess what song it is, though. Okay. Interesting selection of songs to cover, I think. It's not the way that oh. they say it. It's Moody Blues. Those Very good. Things to me. It's more the way that you mean it when you tell me she what She sounds like uh, yeah, that this would be the kind of Mary and Faithful. And when the you stop and think about it, you won't believe it's true that all the love you've been giving has all been meant for you. I'm looking for someone to change my life. I'm looking for a miracle in my life And if you could see what it's done to me To lose the love I knew could safely lead me through Between the signs of the mountains and the crashing of the sea there lies a land I once lived in and is waiting there for me but in the gray of the morning my mind becomes confused between the dead and the sleeping and the road that I must choose I'm looking for someone to change my life I'm looking for a miracle in my life And if you could see what it's done to me To lose the love I knew could safely lead me to Secrets of our soul It's not the way that you say it 
When you do those things to me It's more the way you really mean it When you tell me what will be Lovely. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it makes me think of, you know, our friend um, Heloise, Miss Jones? Yes. She's uh, recorded some new stuff. Oh. And just posted a first song on Bandcamp. And, in fact, I'll play it later in the show. I'll premiere it here on the show. Yeah, very good. And I'd be uh, anxious to check that out. Yeah, great stuff. But good. It, it has the same kind of feel to me, the same kind oh. of vibe. It's very spare and has that anguish, you know, really, really That's beautiful. Grand, sounds great. She would do things that way. Yeah, fantastic. Good. Very good. But here's the Karen Black. She did a good job. You hear one, you think it's like Karen Black sings Moody Blues, all right, this ought to be rich. You know, you think it's going to be some schlock, right? Right. That actually was credible. It was, yeah. She she, uh, she chose the right kind of um, song to interpret that way, I think. Like Goldie Horn singing Rainy Sunday Afternoon? <laughs> some people might argue that that is uh, the other side of the coin, yeah. the schlock side. Yeah. But Rainy Sunday Afternoon being a very schlocky song, Goldie Hawn can't really uh, take it too far down that road in a negative way. It can only <laughs> sort of land in the pocket of, um, of of corn and cheese, you know, yeah. cheesy corn. She wouldn't have to worry about people being confused. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Right in the pocket. <laughs> what do you have in mind for me now, old Will? Well, that is Buckaroos hitting the spot. Oh, always. Hmm. Hmm. And they're both in the John Kennedy glasses. I want people to know that. Of course, it's uh, it's not absolutely necessary, but let's let's just say it's you know the right way to go. It's it's the correct thing to do. <laughs> Tis. So you got one from here, Will. Yeah, moving on to international music, because I've been collecting all these international songs that are just so wonderfully beautiful and moving. So I thought I'd start maybe playing some. Cool. Um, one here called Dolina. It's a Polish, Polish song and dance ensemble. Okay. Very moving, um, somber. I'll just go ahead and play it. of whatever they were going through so much. Nothing cliche about it, it's really great. Mm. 
That was it. That's that was statement. it. That's that statement. That's short. The arrangement was so beautiful. You know, it's sort of like fell kind of between in a way, in a weird way, like a Christmas song. Yeah. One of the really serious ones, and uh, like a Southern spiritual, like a. Yes. You know, like a. Because it's a yeah. Well, it's a folk ensemble, right? So they're probably telling us some story. Yeah. Some, yeah. Yeah. Time. Some heartbreak. Wow. Yeah. I like that. Very moving, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Too short, and I'm never one to say that. Haha. <laughs> I usually like those um, quick recordings, but... Okay, so now you got something here. You said you wanted to play something by Nina Simone. Yeah, by Nina Simone. She did um, the cover of the Beach Boys to, to Love Somebody. I mean, the, the not the Beach Bee Gees. Boys. Bee Gees. To Love Somebody. And um, I think it's... It's really great. Three it's, brothers. It's easy mistake to make. I can't. I can't believe what I was. Starts th with the B. Brothers. Bought bro, brothers. That's why. His brothers and B. <laughs> and there's B's. That's two syllables. <laughs> Harmonies. Pop music. Yeah. Legends. Brilliance. They just, genius. Just, they crossed in my brain. Of somehow, course. And the, the wrong end came. And out. why not? <laughs> Barry. Brian. Yeah. So to love somebody. Um, this is great. Go ahead. What good does it 
they give it more sense. Right? That she, there was something that she got from the song. Oh, yeah. Coming from, you know, it's a, it's a pop song. Well, you know, the thing about it is that... Um, I think Barry might have written it himself, I'm not sure, but anyway, it was written for Otis Redding, and I don't think he ever got around to recording it before uh, he died. It sounds, uh, like, her version sounds to me like she's really going for that sound, that, like, uh, yeah. Stax yes. kind of sound, you know, really, it, it's more typical of what Otis Redding would have done than from what I'm familiar with from Nina Simone, which is more either, like, art song or jazz. Exactly. I think that's right. So she's, like, yeah. kind of really true to the intent of the song. Right. In yeah. fact, yeah, it would be one of the few, probably, that was different from her usual Pop soundscape, sounding. so, yeah. Yeah. All right, so we got this Johnny Keating album, and he was a guy who did a lot of library music. Um, and Warner Brothers. Yeah, and one of the Warner Brothers uh, budget. Okay, so this, it's an odd one, because he is doing the pop hits, like What Now My Love, we, we know that, Theme From A Summer Place, Here's That Rainy Day, but also, he's got uh, some originals on here. Everybody would stick that original in there so they would get the royalties. So he does one called Mirage. Yeah. And then there's another one here called Merry Merry Go Round, theme from the Gene Arthur show, which I don't even remember a Gene Arthur show, but... Yeah, yeah I have a bunch of soundtracks, but I don't know if I remember that one. He co-wrote that as well. Then we have... Um, this year from the Warner Brothers Picture Hotel, which he co-wrote. Oh, Johnny Keating co-wrote the one from the, uh, from the show? From the movie Hotel, yeah. Cool, this year. We want to check out Johnny Keating? Maybe check one out. See All right, we'll check out the first track, Mirage, which is a Johnny Keating original. Yeah, good. All right. stuff. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like bassy influenced, uh, you know, Nelson Riddle type shit. Nothing wrong with that, my friend. Scott, the swinging Englisher, yeah. moves to the USA and writes the most exciting new music of the decade. It does. <laughs> Music. My music is foreground music. Music meant to stand out from the pack. Music to sound fresh to the ear. His music is. It succeeds. That's a hard thing to say about most music, that it succeeds. The great hit songs have a very special quality. A quality that brings almost instant recall whenever you hear them. Without turning all of this into a technical writing exercise, the point is simply this. Keating's come up with a vital new sound. So the impossible. 
impossible is possible. A new sound, a new excitement is created, and combining this with the fresh musical approach of today, so-and-so has given these great hit tunes a vivid new coloration that expands their melodic and rhythmic richness with which we are already familiar. Why two rhythm sections? Basically because Keating likes kicking down barriers. He likes writing in, say, 5-4 time, with one drummer doing the fives and another doing the fours. Or throwing in the other element, the brass and reeds, and having them play against the double rhythm sections. The difference is subtle, but fascinating because the basic tunes are so sturdy, so lastingly right, that they move easily and readily with the times. So-and-so's harp moves in the same direction. You can say his too. name because what, now people don't really, you, what we're doing here is we're doing dueling liner notes. I know. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought. Well, these people don't know that, though. They, may, they think we're probably reading from the same bullshit sheet, but it's a, these are two separate... <laughs> 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 oh, that's that good. Cheer to that. What's this? Uh, what, is this the fifth, sixth, seventh drink? What is this? I think at least the fifth. At least the fifth. At least the sixth. So from Willie and I to the rest of you in Buckaroo Holiday Land, what, what do you say, Will? Yep, I can't agree more. Thank you for listening. It was... Uh, it was really a blast, as always. Thank you for coming down and sharing your wealth of Thanks. knowledge and musical benevolence. A, a bit, benef, but your records. <laughs> Love.
Some very Husker Du sounding music by a band called The Hated from Annapolis, Maryland, recorded sometime in the late 80s. And the first thing you heard as we came out of Willie's Plastic Waffle was another movement from Joseph Akron's Children's Suite that was called Elephant. And the more I hear that piece, the more I like it. The whole suite, I mean, we'll hear some more of it, but I really, really dig it hope you enjoyed the plastic waffle episode today. I'll tell you a little bit about it is that uh, Willie was here and we hung out for, oh man, hours and hours. I think I recorded about six hours of us listening to records and carrying on. And you heard excerpts of it there. You'll hear more excerpts on upcoming episodes. And I haven't used some of the best stuff yet. I try to make it feel like what it feels like to do the hang. 
So that includes some dead air and some questionable music and commentary, but uh, I try to get a mix of what the whole experience is like. In that particular thing, you actually heard the very beginning and the very end of the night. So there's a lot of stuff in between. I bet you can't wait. Well, you'll have to. In the meantime, here's what I got coming up for you. Barbara Dixon was a traditional Scottish folk singer in the 1960s, and her career kind of wound around into more popular music and eventually into musicals and acting, where she's a great popular success on the other side of the ocean. I'm going to play something she recorded in 1971. It's a song called Returning, and it was written by another Scottish folk singer named Archie Fisher. And it kind of occupies that place between um, folk singing and kind of middle-of-the-road stuff. So it ain't quite Sandy Denny, and it ain't quite Maureen McGovern either. What it is is lovely, I think. And then from about a year later, really interesting group called Space Opera. Their claim to fame historically, I guess, is that T-Bone Burnett was in the band. But that won't tell you much about what they sound like, and neither will I. But I think if you like this track at all, look into them, because they have a lot of really interesting stuff. Songs called Look Out. Then we have, I think, an excellent piece of piano music by a composer named David Shire, written for the Francis Ford Coppola movie, The Conversation, which I guess was, what, 73, 74? So I guess we have a time theme going on here. Hadn't planned on it. So does that mean I got something coming up from, like, 76? Nah. Now, going back, going backwards. 1966. Got a single here by the band The Sure Cure which was a band led by a guy named Ed Wool, who had a number of different bands, the Pineapple Herd and the Nomads. He was from upstate New York. Cut some good sides, and this one here, I think, is a really interesting song. It's an oddball kind of thing. It's kind of like a sideways hook. It's written by Tandon Almer, a strange dude who wrote um, Along Comes Mary for the Association, and was a good friend of Brian Wilson's, and also had a hand in the epic saga of Sail on Sailor. This tune is called Anything You Want. I could understand people thinking it's fantastic. I could understand people thinking it's a total dud. I think it's really good. So let's get started with Barbara Dixon and Returning. Child raced the wind, bowed a 
Another delightful movement from Joseph Akron's Children's Suite. And I gotta tell you something, I left this thing off yesterday at that point. I'm returning to it now. And when I was doing it yesterday, I kept feeling like my throat was dry. You might have heard it in my voice, I don't know. I said it's just, all right, I'm getting old, you know, it's like the vocal cords are all kind of dried out. Then last night I got so sick. 
I was hoping to finish this and post it yesterday, but I had to throw in the towel and got really sick. I was up really late and feel much better now. And I also don't feel that weird dry throat thing, so I don't know. Sorry to say my health has generally been sketchy lately. It happens. But I ain't gonna be one of those old guys who belly aches about his illnesses. Who needs that, right? You don't. Nah. I'd rather talk about something that's kind of wonderful, but I don't know if I can convey it. A few weeks back, right after we did that uh, last show on Podbean, my wife and I decided to just take a ride into Jersey. We didn't take a lot of road trips without the kids, but we decided this time, why not? Do a little antiquing. And we went up into northern Jersey to Lafayette. There's an antique mall there that has a guy that sells these old holiday figurines and decorations. And they're real expensive, but Christ, it's like a museum. It's just beautiful. Another thing I noticed is that a lot of records are showing up in antique stores now at antique store prices, which is good and bad. The selection is good, the prices suck, you know, and uh, I did pick up a couple of interesting items that will comprise the basis of upcoming shows. Real weird shit, but that's not what I wanted to get into. I wanted to talk about driving there. I had this almost hallucinatory experience. We were driving up towards Lafayette, and we might have been on Interstate 80, not sure. We might have turned off by then. But at any rate, it was a part of Jersey where it's very hilly. And as you're winding around the highway, because it's very windy, we're at this one point where the hills, the green hills on the left, kind of merge with the green hills on the right because you're curving around these sharp banks and you almost lose sight of the road ahead of you at certain points. You feel like you're just driving into mountains in a way, in and around the lake. You know, they come out of the sky and they just stand there. Anyhow, I was, we were doing this, listening to music, Buckaroo Holiday shows, actually, kind of reassessing a lot of the older shows and what was good about them and what was not so good about them. And we come around a corner, and suddenly the sky, it seemed to be filled with old glory. I mean, the stars and stripes, you know? What it was was, as we came around this corner, to the right of the road, there was a warehouse or a factory or some sort of a complex some business, very large, off to the right, on a lower level in the road. The road was up higher on the hill. And they had this giant flag on a pole flapping in the breeze. Huge, huge flag. And as you made the turn, you couldn't see the, the gradient. You could only see that flag. It looked like the hills parted. And this vision, this flag was everything. Just a moment. It just happened for a moment. And then it's like, oh, I see what that is. But it was an ecstatic feeling. It really was. It brought me back a little bit to when I was a kid. And I was torn between my parents' perspective and my older brother's perspective. Well, I wasn't really torn between them. I saw a lot in each side. It was the generation gap era. And my parents would get Time Magazine and Reader's Digest and the New York Daily News, which at that point was a blue-collar kind of a publication and my brothers would bring home the east village other the realist evergreen review ramparts all this stuff might have talked about this before with the underground papers i loved the graphics i didn't i more than loved them i hungered for them my eyes had a hunger for r crumbs cartoons and there was a lot about the culture the music everything the 
psychedelia, the posters, all the I loved it, but the radical politics sickened me, as did the drug culture, because I saw what it did to my brothers. Hatred of cops, and the America hate that was in the pages of these magazines was shocking to me. I, I couldn't really understand it. I couldn't understand how the impulse to protest, which was valid, you know, the war and civil rights and all that stuff, led people to this hatred of the country. And I've always hated people who hate America. I really, I, I just can't help it, you know? And people who shit on the flag really rile me. It goes back to Abby Hoffman and all them people. And now it's Colin Kaepernick and, and um, these creeps who burn it, which used to be defended on free speech grounds. And I got that. I got the free speech grounds. I was like, yeah, you're free to do it, but you're also indicating you're an asshole, which is one of the beauties of free speech, by the way. If you're allowed to say whatever you want, you reveal yourself for what you are. So when people talk about the N-word and they make adults of a certain race speak in these euphemisms, what they're doing is disguising actual hatred because everybody knows to speak the code. But anyway, the, the free speech justification is ironic looking at the successors of those people clamping down on free speech. And if you saw them talking to Matt Taibbi the other day in Congress, you know what I mean. This good leftist journalist followed his instincts toward uh, free speech and uh, he's being accused of all kinds of shit by the protectors of the regime. Anyway, aside from all that, I used to hang out in the cellar of our house in Brooklyn. Had my G.I. Joes set up down there, my battlefield and all that. That's where I did a lot of my hanging with my friends. And I went down there and I took a bunch of pages out of the Reader's Digest magazines and National Geographic. Pictures of vistas and patriotic images and I taped them all over the walls and I wrote these little signs, America, we love you. I don't know, I had a vague idea in my mind that I would have some kind of party based around patriotism. I never really did that, but it was kind of... I didn't know what I was doing. I look at it now, I realize it was a ceremony. It was a ritual. I like ceremonies and rituals. The flag means something to me. Even if that thing that it means is something that I think is dying and close to dead. But there's an association that started around that time with, there was a TV show called All in the Family with this character, Archie Bunker, who was a flag-waving idiot, bigot. And there was a character called Joe in the movies, played by Peter Boyle, who was a hard hat. America, love it or leave it guy, you know, and uh, these were the objects of mockery. And this attachment to the flag was a um, signifier of that mindset. So even me telling you how ecstatic I was looking at this flag that I saw on the road um, that moment, I feel a little awkward about it because of those associations. And that's how brainwashing happens. That even when you know sincerely that you feel a certain emotion and a cer have a certain opinion, you can't trust it because you've been culturally conditioned to see it as a negative. And it isn't. It really isn't. Because as actually idealistic as my brother's generation was about things like peace and civil rights, women's rights, gay rights, so was my dad. Maybe more so, because he fought in a war, and he raised a gay son, and he had friends of every race and every type who fought beside him and worked beside him. And he couldn't comprehend the hatred aimed at people like him and the cartoon characters that were supposed to represent people like him. 
And for all the ways I might be mistaken on some issue or another, I trust my own mistrust of the conspicuously virtuous and the firebrand activist pose. And that's what's behind a lot of what I talk about on this show. And I was glad to be reminded of those transcendent feelings on that highway in New Jersey because so much of my days are filled with despair, not only at the way my country's going, but the way a lot of people in my life have come to treat people like me who express these thoughts. And they act as if we're stupid and we're hateful in their stupid and hateful way. This is not political preaching, by the way. I don't expect to convince anybody, and I never do. In fact, I regularly lose listeners because of this stuff. I'm just expressing something that means a lot to me. That moment was uh, beautiful. And so are you for being so patient. Your reward shall be music.
one of three folk songs for four tubas by a composer named Frank Denson. And before that, you heard a recording by a lounge singer. I think it might have been a self-release, but it was certainly a tiny label either way. Kay Martin and her bodyguards. All her album covers are these kind of sexy calendar-type photos. And that song, Baby Did You Hear Me, was originally recorded by Jerry Southern, who you know I'm fond of. And her version is technically superior, but this Kay Martin version has a weirdness to it. It's more frantic and more offbeat. Now, after all of that palaver before, I don't want to talk too much. I want to get right to more songs before this show's over. And I have a request from Jenica for a song by my friend Lane Steinberg. I'm very happy to fulfill that request because Lane is great. And I've played his work on the show before. This track is called That's As Close As We Could Get. It's a beautiful selection from his album Lane Steinberg and His Magical Pony, which you can find in all the usual places online. I'm going to go from Lane to a London band from the mid-80s called Camberwell Now, so-called know-how, and then a leftover from the Antipodes shows. It's another track from the Triffids. This is an early one from 1981 called This Boy. Here's Lane Steinberg. I cannot accept it yet That's as close as we would get Passing glances on a train As we rode against the rain When we spent that day in Spain You rose on my on that ride our lives felt set In Madrid I chased you down A mermaid laughed and said you drowned Scattered clues and dead in
is Feel how thin That's how thin your blood is That's how thin In an empty space Where you push your fingers Where you push your fingers Through your skin Well, well, well. We're done, looks like. Hope you enjoyed the show. I don't know when the next one will be. If you like this, you can let me know, and uh, maybe I'll do it more often. Maybe I'll go back to the old twice-a-month schedule, or maybe I'll stick with my current plan, which is just to do it randomly and spend most of my time doing specials on the Patreon. If you don't know about the Patreon, you can join it for uh, whatever you want, a couple of bucks a month. And there are all sorts of additional shows that I do there. Oh, there's the phone. Hello? Oh, so you like the show and you... Right? Right. Well, okay. I'll weigh that as part of my consideration. Thank you for letting me know. What a world. Do you think you're doing a pre-recorded show here and uh, something happens in the time-space continuum and you get immediate results? It's incredible. I love America. The recent Patreon shows have included the Brass Rock shows, Australia New Zealand Part 2. Hey, singers. Wow. (laughs) And there's a few coming up that are uh, more offbeat than that. I'm going to close this one today with a song I mentioned actually in the uh, Willie's Plastic Waffle segment. A good friend of mine from Paris, Heloise, she goes by the name Ms. Jones, and we spent a lot of time together, and she's a wonderful, wonderful friend, and that's good to remember as I'm often whining about all the friends I've lost in the last couple of years. Ms. Jones is still in my life, thank goodness. And thank goodness she's still making music. She has a very personal style, reflecting a lot of the anguish that she's experienced in her life, and it's considerable. And she... Will you knock it off with that? Oy. She does that wonderful magic trick of turning it into beauty. And here's a brand new thing from her, which is part of, I think, a four-song EP that she's going to be releasing on Bandcamp. But you can get this song right away. Just go on there and look for Ms. Jones. I'll chance pronouncing the title. Le fait mon entrée dans le monde. Forgive me. Thank you for listening to Buckaroo Holiday.
Je fais une entrée 